It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy, and I'm excited to welcome the program, the host, Eric Couch. Eric, what's going on? Hey, man. Welcome to 2021, buddy. We're excited. Yeah, always great guests we have, but this one, again, is a super guy, right? That, that you... Not just a super guy. He's Superman. So today, we have Dean Kane, actor, producer, former professional football player. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Dean, welcome to the show, buddy. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks, Neil. I'm happy to be here. And I like the, I like the intro, so I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Eric's, Eric's great with the intros. And let's just, Eric, go right to the questions for sure, Dean. Absolutely. Hey, so Dean, now, you know, I, I've heard about you, but I didn't know that you had played, uh, you were like the super athlete, set a record at Princeton in football. And, uh, that uh, you went on to be pulled with the the Buffalo Bills, right? That's correct. Yes, the so I have, I was always a football player growing up. I was an athlete. I played every sport under the sun. I was um, that's sort of how I really you know, pictured myself. Um, I identified as an athlete first and foremost, and a student. Uh, I was a good student as well. I went to Princeton, so I, I did okay. Um, but I was a top athlete at at my high school. I was a top athlete at my university. <coughs> Excuse me. I was really blessed and fortunate enough to get a shot to make it to the NFL. I lasted a short period of time before I was injured. And that's when it was nice that, uh, that I had that backup, that, that Princeton university degree. Um, so I could become an actor. Right. So you could become an actor, Dean. That's, oh, that's funny. Oh. That's, that, that's a, that's a good one. But I think that it, as we all know, storytelling is such an important thing to have, have that knowledge base, right? Don't you agree, Eric, that you, calling, being Absolutely. great, being a great character actor takes lots of talent and ability for sure. So, so how did you transition now? Now I read some of your backstory about, um, you know, being, uh, adopted by, by your uh, father and change your name to Kane and, and getting into, you know, being an athlete, but living in Malibu, he was a director, right? So I'm guessing somehow that played in, but would love to hear kind of the, like, how do you transition from I'm a football dude to I'm Superman? <laughs> it's a good story, I think. Uh, well, like I said, I'd always been a student and an athlete and and I'd always been able to do those things very well. Um, and I loved doing those things. And uh, growing up in Malibu, you know, it was, um, <clears throat> it's a very small community. And my parents' best friends were Leo and Eileen Penn, um, the parents of Sean Penn, Chris Penn. Um, and I grew up with Rob Lowe and Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. And my dad directed those guys in movies and things. As an athlete, I, I mean, as a student, as an athlete, I wanted, I couldn't wait to get to college. I knew that playing football um, was the best sport. Oh, I played several, volleyball, I ran track, I played baseball, I wrestled, I sort of did everything. Um, and so I was like, you know, I want to be able to go to a university, a great school, and I want to play football there. And eventually, I'm sure when I start thinking about, you know, getting into a, a job, 
um, I, I was at, I remember being at Princeton, I, maybe it was my sophomore year, and everybody was going doing these internships on Wall Street, and they were, you know, doing 80 hours a week in a suit and tie and sweaty, hot New York in the summertime. And I was like, that sucks. Then I would go to my dad's set while he was filming Young Guns. And all these kids that I grew up with are riding on horseback, pretending to be cowboys, having a freaking blast, telling stories. I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. This one seems a lot more fun. And it's something yeah. that I'm having grown up on sets my whole life. Um, there's something about it. There's something about being able to be there and be a storyteller. And then as I, you know, I was a history major in college. So, um, and that's just one big story. Wow. I'm a history major as well, Dean. It's I a got great grad in history, great. master's in education. So, yeah. There's, there's a guy in the financial world that did the 80 hours a week. And yeah, I'll say did. We'll leave it at that, right? You still have yeah. hair. You still have hair. Not like most of my friends who are in the financial world. I'll tell you that. Well, I said, you know, my dad was bald at 30. So I'm grateful. I'm, I'm like, look, I got hair. It's real. We can pull on this stuff here. But you're, old, but you're only like 28. So in two, you got two years left. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, being around, uh, growing up in the film world, it, it, you know, I was exposed to it so much and it was a great thing. And my dad started pushing me into writing because he thought I was a good writer and always thought I should be writing and didn't yeah. want me to be an actor because he didn't want people to be um, picking on me. You know, it becomes very personal, how you look, the way you say things, what your life is, mm -hmm. what your political leanings are, anything starts to work against you as an actor because you become known, you lose your anonymity. And as a parent, right. he didn't want that for me. And he had seen it happen to my friends who had all become sort of famous, some of them under my dad's tutelage, you know, and, and they made some bad mistakes and he didn't want that. And those were amplified in the media. And he was like, I don't want you out there. Right. Doing that. Anything and, uh, you can or say will be used against you. In a, in a court, court of law or a court of public right. opinion. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. But he, he, he didn't want that for me. And I understand as a parent wanted to protect your kid. Um, and I, that's a piece of advice I give to everybody who asks, hey, so if I want to get in film, you know, what do you think? What's the best way to do it? And I, I said, I'll give you the advice my dad gave me. It's three words. Don't do it. <laughs> and the reason being that it's so difficult and there's so much to it, but unless you have to do it, don't. And that what that really means is unless that's what your calling is, unless that yeah, is yeah. your passion and you can't think of doing anything else, do something else. Um, but if it's something you like on the side, it's never going to be what you want it to be or rarely ever could possibly be. But if it's what you live for and it just gets you fired up like nothing else, then then you can't listen to anybody who says don't do it. And that's how it works. You cannot do it. Exactly. Yeah. You can't not do it. Well, let's talk about now you've, you've done some diverse movies, right? A lot of people know you from Lois and Clark, you know, being Superman for several seasons there. Not a bad um, thing to be known for, in my opinion. I can be known for worse things, and so I'm happy to be known. You can be known for worse things than Superman. Not a bad thing to be considered uh, throughout society. Um, but you've also been, and we're going to get a bit into your latest movie in, in a few minutes. So I don't want to, I don't want to steal all the thunder yet. But um, you know, you've been in a lot of movies from, of course, you know, being playing the role of Superman and Lois and Clark, but also uh, one of our family favorites is is God's Not Dead and um, and then Faith Under Fire, you know, how did you, where did that transition? And then what, what, what made you choose to go with those movies? Well, 
there's a million reasons. Um, and some of them aren't even choices. You know, sometimes it's a, that's the job that was there at the time. Um, but being a parent sort of changed everything in my world. And uh, I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, yeah. you know, your life is going on and it's all about you and your kid, you're growing up and oh, me, 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 me. And all of a sudden, right. You're a parent and you realize that this thing, this person cannot live without you wiping their mouth, giving them food, doing this, picking up, they can't walk. They can't, it's like, do you, they can't tell you what's wrong with them. And you realize how important you are to this person. Also the idea that you can just create a life. I mean, the moment I saw my son, it, it was a weird thing. And it changes was, everything. Oh yeah, I couldn't explain it. It was like, did I love him immediately? Yeah, I know, yes, I did, but but it was this thing. And I, and I immediately just wanted to care for it. It's this thing. Yeah that I had to just care for him. He never was out of my sight. Like I was, I walked into this room with him. I walked, I never, he never left me. Um, right. And it was incredible that feeling. And uh, it's just gotten stronger as he's gotten older and he's 20. Um, but, you know, we, there was the moment when he was, you know, five years old when we were talking about life and death and God and things where he realized that he was going to die one day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he likes me telling this story. I don't know how he feels about it really, but I tell it it's, it's because it's one of those moments that, you never forget. He was so bothered by it, so upset. His body would just shake at night. I would take him outside and sit outside under the stars and sit there and talk to him and, and, and talk to him about life and death and God and afterlife. And what do you believe, what people believe. And so it really, he was part of the, I've always been wondering about faith and I've always been very, very desirous of, of hearing all about all different faiths. I studied all different faiths in college as well. And, um, it's just something that's very important, I think, to the human condition. And obviously we all have our beliefs and they come from things we're taught and the experiences we live here on this earth. And so I was like, you know, these, these are huge, important issues that, that, that go, go down to the very right. reason that we're here. So having these conversations with my son sort of opened me up to that. And then I realized, you know what, I, I want him to have a, I, I went to a Catholic high school for a little while, but faith wasn't something that was big taught in schools. I, I sent him to a Christian a private Christian high school because I wanted him to have that basis in faith. And then there was a moment, something went terribly wrong business wise. And I remember it was like, I got punched in the stomach. I remember it literally felt like I got punched in the stomach. And after I hung up that phone, I, he saw me and he was maybe nine years old. And he was like, dad, dad, Hey, it's okay. You know, God's got a different plan for this. And, and I was like, who are you? and i remember i couldn't remember i couldn't the relief i felt um from hearing that out of his mouth uh and believing it was amazing um and so we he and i you know with my son we've traveled to all through israel and jordan and um been to some of the incredible most incredible most religious sites on the planet so you know faith is something that's important to me and it's not something that i want to bang people over the head with and i don't think you should bang over them them over the head within a film either i think that's why god's not dead was such an important film and such a good film you're not preaching to the people all the time right exactly and then and and people get it you are right or maybe it's it's just standing up for who you are right it's it's you know i i tell people i was like you know having faith is is like deciding to lose weight or a lot of other things right nobody can make that decision for you in fact if they try to make the decision for you it's just going to push you further away right so having faith is a decision that i have to make and the only way i can i can help someone along the path is just be authentic and real and tell my story because i I don't know about your story i haven't walked in your shoes um that's it 
Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. We, we got a wise son, my friend. Yeah. And we, can see, <laughs> and we can probably see it again with films that sometimes choose you. I think this newest film, Eric, that you want to talk about with Dean is just powerful because the fact of the matter it can happen to any person just based on the circumstance. Yeah. And actually, you know what, Neil, before I do that, I'm, I'm totally distracted. I can't lie. Because Dean, you've got you've got one of my heroes right behind you on the wall. So Chris Kyle, I see Chris the Kyle a, was a great friend of mine, certainly a hero of mine, uh, one of the most humble men I've ever known. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of the most most lethal, um, very devout Christian, very very strong faith in God. Um, American sniper, and he's the greatest American sniper, most lethal sniper in American history. But again, the most humble guy in the world, and um, yeah. again, a great friend of mine, and. We did a show to celebrate in, uh, the military folks and things, but we had to do all the crazy amounts of military training and 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 and, and simulated missions. I mean, jumping out of helicopters and descending yeah. on blowing stuff up, all live fire, all everything. Yeah. So he had to train me every day for six weeks. So we became fast good friends, and um, I'm still friends with his his with his widow and the family. Yeah. And um, you know, and I he's one of my heroes. So I love having him. Having I, him. I remember the day. I remember, so I, I live in Dallas, right? And, uh, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth. And I remember the day of his funeral and it's like time stood still. I mean, I was one of the ones standing on the side of the road, but to see, you know, the, the Hearst Drive and there's people along the freeway on I-20 on both sides and above the overpasses. I mean, there were thousands of people with signs to just honor the life of, of, of this one quiet kind of, you know, just introspective dude that was just such a powerful you know he was a he was a sheepdog right he was a protector and i think that's what we're all called to be um agreed and it's funny that you say that and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna make this transition before you have to even do so yes yeah. he was a sheepdog and we talked about things all the time i got i got to spend a lot of time with him downtime i was with him like i said all day every day for six weeks and we, had to, and we had to depend on each other and he, cause we'd have to jump out of a helicopter using a descender, drop 65 feet below the chopper together, have to link up and get dropped into a Zodiac together. So everything we had to do was we had to depend on each other. And he's like, mm -hmm. I got to depend on you and you got to depend on me. So we have to, we have to bond in that sense. And it was, yeah. and we did, but one of the things, one of the times in between we were shooting, we had all sorts of different um, operators there, Delta force guys. Yeah. Um, we had army Rangers. We had, um, you know, SWAT commanders, some police officers, all, all kinds of people. And he was talking to a police officer and he was saying, listen, I have such respect for you guys and what you have to do, because anytime you roll up on any call, a domestic call, pull somebody over, you don't know what you're getting into. You don't know who the bad guys are. You don't know anything. It's more dangerous to be a police officer in his eyes. This is what Chris was yeah. saying. than it is to, yeah. to be a Navy SEAL fighting because they know who the bad guys are. They right. knew who they're fighting. And he said, that's, so his, his respect for them was so high. He was even talking about possibly being a police officer himself. Yeah. That led me, I'd always sort of thought about the same thing. So that's why I am now a reserve police officer in Pocatello, Idaho. I have been, in, I've been a reserve oh. police officer for about four years now. I'm yeah. a sheriff's deputy in Frederick County, Virginia. I got sworn in there last year. I work on a internet crimes against children task force. So crimes against children foundation is this foundation I work with mm -hmm. when we're yeah. in apartments and I work with the Internet Crimes Against Children groups, which is the ICAC groups that, that try and pre prevent things like this film, um, Traffic, The Parents' Worst Nightmare. Like the character I play is somebody who, who is 
the embodiment of basically what we're doing um, in these departments. Right. Wow. And that is the new movie. So it, it's a it's a terrifying reality for some. Right. It's a terrifying. Imagine. I mean, even as a parent, for it to have never happened, it's absolutely debilitating terrifying to think that that could happen but the reality is it does happen and there's over two million people i'm told today there's more people that are slaves today than any time in history because of human trafficking so tell us about the you know this movie see if you said that out loud to a group almost nobody would believe that no but it's the truth and it's worldwide and within the united states almost eight hundred thousand kids go missing every i mean it's the numbers are shocking and here's the thing so if you want to protect your kids and we all do um the the problem is there's the internet and the internet is such a great form of communication but you're also letting the rest of the world into your house Uh, these games that the kids are playing on um these these tiktok the sites the things they're Mm -hmm. interacting with predators all all the the time and they don't know it no they have no idea and then I have it. My son is 20 now. I've been having these conversations with him forever, but I can remember my, my God kids are almost 10. I have those same conversations with them. So what mm-hmm. I chose to do as a parent was um, my son could only play those games and he could play them all he wanted to in, in my company. He had to yeah. be in my office with me. Um, we had, or, or we played them together. I also got involved in the games he played. I played all the games with him. So I listened and I'm a gamer. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Going on. I listened to the people who were talking. Yeah, that stuff. Kids are getting approached all the time and have no idea. And it happens in our film at the beginning yeah. of the film. There's a young teenage girl. And of course, she thinks this guy's a beautiful young man. He's interested in her, showing her attention and affection. And oh, my gosh, that's exciting. And it's fun. And, you know, I don't want my parents to know. Well, as a parent, you should know every password your kid has until they're old enough to leave the to leave the nest. And even then you should have established a trust so much that they would trust you with about anything. Um, um, I told my son, you know, if if I go to something, one of your apps and I don't know the password, the phone is either going to swim or it's going to (laughs) fly. Because I don't ever want that to happen. And I'm, I'm, and I'm confiscating it and you're not going to be able to do that stuff. Because You have to watch everything because those people are slick. They are slick and they will prey upon anybody who, who shows an opening or a weakness and all kids going through adolescence are feeling those things are feeling left out, mad at their parents, mad at their brother or sister. Mm-hmm. They feel, you know, um, ostracized by their friends and here's somebody who's suddenly being so friendly. Oh, then let's meet up. I mean, you have to have these conversations with your, with your kids saying that people you're talking to on the internet aren't necessarily who they are. They're not who they say they are. Yeah. So be very wary. And it's a scary thing. And, and um, this human trafficking stuff that exists in the United States People want to bury their head in the sand like an ostrich, but it's huge. It's a huge problem. And you need to pay attention to what your kids are doing online. Well, thank you for raising a voice to it because it yes. is it's huge. It, it, it hits home with, with me because one of our really close friends, like really close friends, it happened to their 13-year-old daughter three months ago. Um, and fortunately, fortunately, I mean, this is the grace of God in a, in a weird way. Some 16, 17 year old boy showed up at their front door because he had had the app that told him where she was and where she lived. So he's like, I'm coming over. I'll talk to your dad. And the dad's standing in the front yard when the boy pulls up and he was like, yeah, I want to see your daughter. Blah blah blah. And the dad's like, I almost strangled him. But you could tell he was young and stupid and he's not the 26 year old or 40 year old that she's 
that's also been trying to because man they just they were coming at her from every direction she gave one kid every penny you know hundreds of dollars because he said he loved her and he i mean it was just and she was so she got so wrapped up in it that she was terrified to say anything so had that kid not showed up at their front door we don't know what it would happen that's why i was like it's a grace of god that the kid just showed up because he was an idiot but it at least illuminated the issue so that they could resolve it and they brought in wise counsel and but it could happen to anybody anybody that's what people don't understand it's because that internet is in your household and everybody we're all flawed we're all human beings we all want to be liked or loved or attention paid to us and so that it, it happens and that's why i say you got to pay attention it's fortunate that that kid i mean that the dad was there i mean yeah. very fortunate that you know my, my son had that thing on his phone listen we didn't go through everything scot-free by the way we had our own right. there were some issues that took place um i realized once he blocked his location sharing something was fishy. And there's things like that you can find in a heartbeat. And he was right. so concerned about me paying attention to where he was at one point. I was like, this isn't right. He's yeah. you're doing something that's not right. And no I, yeah. and it's real easy to, to figure it out because they think they're smart, but you know, it's like, I didn't eat the cookies and there's cookies all over their face. You're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> you know? yeah. no, they're right in the bag where they were, were supposed to be. You're like, I can eat half a cookie off your face. So right. uh, it's, but, you know, that sort of stuff you have to pay incredible attention to. And it's just mm -hmm. for their safety. And that's a hard you have to have the conversation because they don't I'm you know, I'm an, I'm I'm old enough. I'm a, I, I can take care <laughs> yeah, of myself. Yeah. I don't need you telling exactly. me what to do. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a dance. We have to dance. But um, at the end of the day, it's, it's just you're being concerned for their well-being and knowing where they are. And I'm not saying put a tracker in your kid's car, but I'm not saying don't. Right. Exactly. Especially that scares you. And then they can see it for sure. We'll talk about really quickly where we can find information on the movie traffic, but go ahead, uh, Eric, um, yeah. legacy so, question. So we have one more question for Dean. So Dean, one thing that we always so so our show is called right living a legacy and it's, it's about celebrities and amazing people using their influence to impact the world around them. Right. Um, gift to be able to have that influence. It's a tremendous gift to have influence to have anybody listen to anything you might say it's pretty it's a pretty awesome place to be yeah to have influence um and and that's exactly what traffic is doing that you chose to be in that project god's not dead and you know i'd say the lord's using you in a bunch of areas where you've just decided this is who i am and this is what i want to support so you know with living a legacy the question would be you know when you think about your legacy whether it's as a father as as an actor as uh as a human you know how do, how do you want to be remembered what do you want your legacy to be? I'd love to be remembered as a, as a person who did good, you know, yeah. did good for people. Um, whether it's through storytelling, um, mentoring, uh, being a law enforcement officer, um, who knows what the future is going to bring, uh, in my life. But, uh, as someone who was a good moral person who just wanted to do good for his fellow human beings and hopefully, I will attain that uh, position of being able to help a lot of people. I've been able to travel the entire world um, doing charity work in the slums of Africa, uh, in the outskirts of Vietnam, um, to Nicaragua, Australia, New Zealand, all through Europe, Asia. I've been able to go everywhere and touch a lot of lives. And it's pretty amazing to think about. And so if I can inspire people and I'm, and I'm known as somebody who, who used my life and my influence uh, for good to help people. That's a win. That's a wonderful legacy. 
um, for me to be to, to have that uh, is incredible. Um, so I try to live my life in a way that, you know, if someone looks at the way I've lived my life and the choices that I've made, that 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 me living my life the way it is 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 living a legacy. You know, I'd like to believe that the things that I'm doing, uh, it, it, that that's a representative um, of of who I am. And whether it's being a law enforcement officer or being a devoted father, I turned down more money uh, to be a father. Like I turned down an entire show um, that would have made me uh, so much money, but I would have had to have been an absentee father um, because I was in a custodial fight oh, with his wow. mother. Um, I ended up with full custody of him um, later on, but uh, I turned down, it would have made me the highest pay, paid actor or one of the highest paid actors in television, but I turned it down. Uh, so, because I wasn't going to be a father, I wouldn't be a present father. And as a kid who's adopted, I understand how important no it is brainer. to have my father in my life. No brainer for sure, Dean. And we can check out Traffic. Is it available now? The movie? It's available now. It's available now. Um, I don't have the, all the specifics. I, I hope you guys would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll definitely put that. No, th th that'll it be description, everything yeah. and all that. Where we can check it out. But also on your social media, we can follow you where, Dean? Uh, on Twitter, at Real Dean Kane. Um, you can't find me on Parlor anymore because it's shut down, but that's at Dean Kane. <laughs> on, on cloud hub you can find me at dean kane instagram at deuces 1966 i can explain it's my kid's fault <laughs> uh and then neil and i are going to get you on clubhouse and then we'll then you'll then you'll have the full trifecta there we go bring it I, you'll love clubhouse because of you're you have a podcast too dean or not i do not have a podcast no yeah, but, uh, but, but i may have a show 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 of my own soon but we'll talk that's another whole story yeah, that now because you have to be another time. All right, well, we appreciate it, Dean. Uh, you Absolutely, stopped by. It was man. great a conversation, and uh, you really live. You're living a legacy for sure, and great work that you do. Thanks again. Appreciate it, Neil. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. All right, guys. All right, guys. All right, that's a living a legacy. Take care, guys. Thank you. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K through 12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy, and I'm excited to welcome the program, Eric Couch. Eric, another guest that is truly living a legacy, isn't he? Absolutely, Neil. Today, we have CEO and founder of Our, 
Operation Underground Railroads and Sex Trafficking, Tim Ballard. Tim, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Eric. Good to be here. Yeah, man. We're excited. I, I specifically searched you out. I'd heard about you oh, a year, year and a half ago, somewhere in there, was blown away with the mission and the story. And then I had the privilege I don't know how, you know, you know, you're on Netflix and it's like, are you still watching? Hey, you've run through this whole uh, thing that you can possibly watch uh, the whole series. How about you check out this show? And I saw uh, your movie on Netflix that Russell Brunson and uh, had put together with, is it Nick Nanton? Um, yeah. And we watched that and was just blown away and then got to see kind of the story of your family and how y'all made that. And I was like, dude, Living a legacy is about using your influence to impact the world. I was like, that that's exactly what our is doing. So uh, let's get into it, man. Uh, welcome to the show. This is exciting. Thanks for being on. Thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you. So so tell me how tell me how the story got started and how you got started with with our and kind of the back. Give us a little backstory here. So I was a uh, special agent with the U.S. government and stationed on the border of Mexico and the, and the United States. And uh, it's the early 2000s when if you Googled sex trafficking, you know, nothing would probably even come up. It was it was kind of off everyone's radar, including our, our own. And so we started kind of the first um, groups in that time and to, to start combating this. And being on the border, we were seeing a lot of activity. Um, right child you know child exploitation material and uh, and then real cases you know live cases of kids being smuggled into the united states for for sex and so i started working these these cases and it was you know it's, it's heartbreaking but once you see it it's hard to, to 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 walk away from it because you can't imagine doing something more important than than helping children in this situation um, at that time, we didn't even realize what the numbers were. We, we have an idea today based on statistics from the UN and others um, that it is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world, $150 billion a year oh business, God. 40 yeah. million people in slavery today. Um, they estimate that about 10 million of those are, are children, roughly a fourth of those being trafficked are children. And it's, it's slave labor, sex, and we, we, we're even working uh, successfully. I've worked organ harvesting cases ch child organ harvesting oh no um yeah it's just so this is it, it's interesting you know because people think slavery that's historical no no it's right. it's 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 bigger than it's ever been and of course you can account for the population increases so anyway i'm i'm, I'm back in the 2000 in the early 2000s working these cases and in 2006 the laws changed and allowed for the for, for the first time really allowed u.s agents to go overseas and investigate American sex tourists who were traveling in order to engage with, in sex with sex uh, with children. And if we caught them doing that overseas, this is how the law changed. We could hold them accountable as if they had committed that crime on us soil. Yeah. So um, a lot more attention was, was given to that. I was sent to undercover school and did several operations um, overseas hunting for Americans. And almost every time I would do that, I would walk away from these leads that we couldn't work because they were, they fell outside the jurisdiction of the United States. Wow. For example, if I were to go down and work a case and I never found the American, but I, but I always found the kids and leads to more kids. 
and it broke my heart having for me for so many years just to be able to just to walk away from a situation where I knew, you know, it's happening and it's, it's happening blatantly overseas, you know, uh, in yeah. the United States, it's happening as well. It's, right. it's a, it's a harder, it's maybe not as blatant. What's that? So maybe just not as blatant, right? A lot of it is online. Um, and, but, but it's definitely happening. The United States is in the top three for destination countries where, wow. where people, women and children mostly are being brought into like, for slave labor or for sex. Um, and so eventually having done so many cases and, and having all these leads that I can never do anything with, uh, in 2013, I decided to do something that was crazy and I wouldn't have done it were it not for my wife telling me you better do it. Uh, you know, cause we had enough leads, uh, particularly we had a, we had a lead in, in Haiti about a little boy that had been kidnapped. Um, that was breaking my heart. I met his family and we just wanted to help, but we couldn't find the jurisdiction to do it. And then also we had, I had planned an operation in Colombia with Colombian police that I was never able to go back and, and accomplish. So in 2013 and then 2014, we kind of, we went down to, to see what we can do. And, um, what we do is support. We, we provide the resources. Um, oftentimes, uh, the, the most important thing we have to offer is undercover experience and the, the, this Western-looking, these Western-looking faces because right. sad commentary on our country. We, we are the number one, we are the demand. I mean, we're the number one consumers of child exploitation material generally every year. And so we are what the client, we are the clientele, right? That the traffickers yeah. are looking for. You're the profile. So we, we can really help we can really help um, foreign partners just by playing that role and being able to get deep into the belly of the beast. Exactly. So we do that. We're in 26 countries around the world from Southeast Asia to Latin America, to the Caribbean, Mexico, where, um, and we're in the, and we, we actually eventually got back into the United States. We don't operate in the United States other than providing tools, technology to law enforcement who needed here to fight uh, trafficking and child exploitation. So how yeah. stressed were you when, when you saw this being an undercover agent, seeing the sex trafficking happening? Did it, did it drain on you at all when you were? Oh, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the most shocking thing is once you get into that world and you're undercover is, is how um, compartmentalized these guys are. These traffickers. I, I remember working with one in, in Colombia where he, he's selling kids 11, 12 years old. Um, and and then we break in our negotiations. He's gonna, he's we're negotiating a deal. Where he's gonna bring all these girls that he controls and to a party that we're gonna be able to then, you know, he thinks he's providing for a bunch of pedophiles. In fact, we're working with the police and we we end up rescuing those those girls. But then, but then just he he, he turns around and pulls his picture out of this of his daughter. I'm thinking he's selling another one, but no, he's just like, is my daughter beautiful? I just bought her this bike or whatever. And I just thought it's just this weird world yeah. that, that, that drains you emotionally because you're just like, wait a minute, you can sell someone else's kid, but, but, but you can then just talk about your own kid. And they sell these kids like they're selling, you know, computer parts or right. it's just like, it's a, to, to see human beings, especially children, just uh, turned into a commodity and you've got to talk that talk. It's, it's heartbreaking every time. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine the fact that, so, I mean, there's 42 million Right. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. You know, I, you know, it seems like a, at some point I thought it was 2 million, but, but either way they, you know, the fact two million that there's still, more. Yeah. Yeah. So the numbers children. are, there's about 10 million of, of the 42 million that they estimate about 10 million are children. 
um, about 8 million of those children are slave labor and 2 million are sex trafficking specifically. But yeah. either way, these numbers are just astronomical, right? Yeah, they are. You know, you know, to hear to hear that there's more people entrapped in slavery today than at any time in history oh, is just mind boggling. Now, um, the movie or segment was was Operation To So, right? To Saint. Yeah. To Saint. Um, sorry, I took I, I had to sing French. I was a I was a voice yeah. major. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm thinking of Jack Cousteau, though. Uh, yeah. So um, to Saint. And it seems so. A couple of things that stood out to me is it seems like, and again, it's been six plus months since I saw the movie, but the documentary wasn't there a story of like working on the border or something like that. And there was a there's like a little boy who, disgustingly sad as it is, had come viral in videos from being passed back and forth, and that's kind of what started it. Or am I remembering? Yeah, that that's what, that's when I that that was the most devastating case. Yeah. Um, the case is it's of this, this man named Earl Buchanan and you can Google the story. He's all over. And he, he, he was charged with kidnapping. So he, he had um, found these children in Mexico and he'd bring them across the border. And he literally had a studio in his home in San Bernardino County uh, where he had cameras and he'd bring children in uh, undocumented children. Yeah. Generally, and he would kind of leverage the the, the, the families because he owned he owned apartments and and, and uh, he was abusing these these kids and making videos. And uh, we found one of those videos, yeah, in his van as he was crossing the border. I, I should say the Customs and Border Protection officials give them the credit for that. And and then I took over the case, and we ended up doing a search warrant on July fourth to his house, his compound, and and ended up identifying a dozen other kids. So it was, it was um, heart wrenching. I met the little boy, worked with the little boy, you know, we, we, we got him help and, and um, he, his sister as well, his, 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 his rescue led to his sister who was being abused by the same guy. So it was, it was a case that kind of, it was the first time I had seen a child from the, before that point, I had just worked the, the, the exploitation material. Right. which was hard enough, but then to see the, a real yeah. child from a video I had seen, oh, it was, it was just like, oh my gosh, it made it so real. Yeah. And to me, it was a turning point. I was either going to quit or dedicate my life to it. Uh, that, that's what it did for me. And I wanted to quit. I thought this is, this is too much to bear. And, yeah. But ultimately, I, 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 I credit my wife and, and really my, and God and the feeling that I, what I need to do is, this is my life forever. Right. So this it, isn't your it, job. It's your mission. Yeah. At that point it I became more than a job. Yeah. And it's just like um, the rest of my life will be dedicated to this. And it was um, five, six years later that, that, you know, the, the cases I was telling you about kind of compelled me to do the crazy, the cra it was crazy, right? You're, you're statistically going to fail starting a nonprofit, privatizing the, the, uh, this kind of work was very difficult concept. Um, but you know, it's worked, it's worked and, and people got on board and, and we're now growing into more countries and, and, and empowering law enforcement and after and aftercare services throughout the world. Yeah. Wow. And I, so, I just think, and then starting and I'll let you have another question, Eric. I just want to me just really, when you made that decision, that's a tough decision, right? I'm going to go, and make this my life mission. 
because people are going to, you have to make a lot of changes in your life to do that. Yeah, it was scary. It was the scariest thing I had ever done. Um, I remember December 2013 when, when we actually started getting some money and <laughs> it was all fun and games until the money actually came in. And uh, then I had to, I had to quit my job and it was, a, it was a crazy thing. Cause we only had enough money to last us till like maybe June. Yeah. It was December. I remember thinking in June, we're going to be out of money. <laughs> and then what are we going to do? What if no one gives? I had six children at the time. Uh, and I was scared to death as my wife. In fact, I, I'll be honest. I was very cowardice. I, I told my wife, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up my, my government job. I love this job. And she ended the debate by saying to me, she, I remember these words cause they, it was just like a punch in the stomach. She said, I will not let you jeopardize my salvation by not doing this. Uh, and I looked at her and I said, okay, well, if, if that's where you stand, we're, we're in. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't and, know how you argue with that. Yeah. That ends the debate really. And, um, and so we, we jumped in and did those cases and, you know, we never ran out of money. People, people saw what we did and they got on board and, you know, we, we, we're just a, a nonprofit organization that people have supported and, and we're able to do a lot of good. Right. Right. You know, and there's the struggle, you know, I know you're, you're a man of faith, uh, as am I. Right. And, and, and we cling and we hold on to, to scriptures that say, you know, where God says it's the old Testament, but also in Hebrews where he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's the father to the fatherless. And, you know, someone's got to stand up in the face of adversity and go, that's not okay. And you're not going to do that to a child. Right. Um, but it's so difficult from, from the perspective of, of those that are, that are, uh, that are harmed, that are like, you know, I thought, how do you not leave or forsake me when that's what happened to me? And it's just, it's devastating. Right. Uh, because there are, there are bad people. There are people that make bad decisions because, because of just, the demons in their own life. Right. Um, and it's like, and that's why, you know, some people have a, some people have a job and some, you know, most people have a career. And then for a couple of us, you have a calling, right. And it's like, my job is to be a sheepdog and I protect. Right. And you, you go out there and do that. Now, when I watch, when I watch the movie again, referring back to the movie, but, um, it seems like initially, you know, you weren't going to do it because your wife wasn't on board and, and, and part, and it seems like it was because, and I, I get it right. I, I'm a father with young kids and it's just so overwhelmingly overwhelming to be seeing that and then to go home and how do you separate? So kind of take us, uh, unpack that a little bit of just being a father to children and seeing this and then how the communication changed in your household to get y'all to the point that, that we, uh, from, we're not going to do this too. We have to do it. Yeah. So, so that was back when I was asked in the early two thousands to, to, to jump over and help, help um, start a child crimes unit. And uh, my wife and I had agreed that we would never do that kind of work that I would never do that kind of work. And, and so she was shocked when I came home. I'd only been on the job for six months. And I said, they're asking me to be in this group. And she said, no, there's no way, you know, for the reasons you just said is what kind of darkness would, would get into your head. And I don't want you to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and it changes so I, you. 
seeing that much evil changes you. Right. Yeah. How could it not change you and, and, and have a mental effect? Yeah. And it has, there's, you know, and she knew that it would. And so, but the next morning I remember in, being in the bathroom and she came to me with tears in her eyes and she hadn't slept much. And she said, what are we doing? How can we say no to this? For the very reason we thought we had to say no, because we have children. That's, that should be our reason for saying yes. We know what a childhood is supposed to be. And if it's true that there's millions stuck in this, wow. the answer has to be yes. Or how do we meet our maker? You know? And so, uh, so, right. so we jumped in and, and said, yes. And it was a hundred times worse than I could have imagined. Really. I, the first case I started working, I couldn't believe what human beings yeah. are willing to do, not just willing, but wanting to do to children. And, and, and right. this is not a decreasing thing that in the last several years, there's been about a 5,000% increase in new images and videos of child exploitation material. So this is, this thing's on the rise. You know, this is, this is the, this should be the headline every day. Unfortunately, it never is. It rarely is. There's at least there's more awareness now. And, and folks like you, that should be the clock count on the TV. Absolutely. It should be. But the problem is um, people don't, people turn it off. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell sometimes to to bring people on and talk about it. So I thank you and anyone in the media who's willing to talk about it. Because once you know the devastation of what's happening to women and children, especially, man, it would be the headline every day. Exactly. It could be, and it should be. And it's the one unifying factor, by the way, that crosses all political and, and other spectrums. It's the last right. thing on the table that we all agree is, is wrong. It might be the last thing I can think of that everybody would agree on, <laughs> that children shouldn't be kidnapped, trafficked, abused, <laughs> exploited. Exactly. That's also right. a sad commentary, but let's, can we rally around this one, this, this last thing and, and, and clean this up is, is, that would be my hope. You talked about also, you have six kids, Tim. I have nine now. We, nine we ended up, the- we ended up adopting two of those kids. And if you watch Operation Toussaint, you'll learn about that story. So we ended up adopting two kids in Haiti that we helped to, to rescue. Yeah. Um, and then had an, and then, and then had a biological, another biological one that was a surprise. So we ended up with, with nine we, we never have, wanted to go more than six. I have six. <laughs> um, I have six. So. Okay. That was our goal. And we don't know what happened. We lost, we lost control. <laughs> I'm, I'm still like the Texas Longhorns. I've, I've got my two. Good for um, you. Yeah. But we kept saying, okay, we had a couple of years in there where we were like, Catherine and I would talk and we're like, okay, we just pray, Lord, is, is, is somebody missing? Is anybody missing here? And, and then, you know, we inherited my grandmother who had Alzheimer's and then we inherited my dad who had Alzheimer's for about four years. And Catherine was like, you know, I've had other kids. They were just, you know, <laughs> parents and grandparents, but um, you know, you, you do right they're, Those, those kids are, they're your kids adopted or not. Right. You would, you would, you would lay down for them. Um, and you do anything for them. And it's like, how can, how can we as a society, how can we as men, right, um, not stand up for those who can't defend themselves? Uh, and that's why I'm so impacted by uh, just what your mission is and, and what our does. And I, I love that it's our, right? Because it's us. It's our. Yep. Our uh, children. Then, yep. Yeah. But then, you know, the Operation Underground Railroad, where it's just you know, everywhere you look at it, it's, it's got, it's got these layers. Cause you hear underground railroad and you, you think of, you know, slavery back in the days, which this is slavery, you know, different kind, but, but it's like, it's still the same mission to free people. Um, 
and it starts here, right? When, as you're, as you're getting the message out, um, as people are listening, uh, you know, it starts in our heads and goes to our hearts and then hopefully goes, you know, through our, you know, arms and hands and checkbooks and things like that. Um, how has it changed your life and your perspective? What, what exactly? Oh, Our. The, the, um, the, and, and just being so involved in, in stopping sex You know, it's, it's a good question. And the first thing that comes to my mind is there, there is so much darkness. For the 12 years I was working these cases in the government, and a, a lot of those years was undercover work, and um, most of, both domestically and overseas. And it's a very dark and lonely world. Uh, because I can't, I couldn't talk about it. And that was frankly one of the problems because I, I love history. That's why we called it Operation Underground Railroad. And yeah. if you look at the history of slavery in this nation, how did we eradicate it? What was it? I love Abraham Lincoln, but he didn't come into the presidency saying, I'm going to end this. And, and in fact, he, no. right. he wasn't going to end it. He was, he was promising he wouldn't, he would just, you know, stop its expansion into new territories, but he wasn't going to end it. So um, who ended it really? What was it? It was, it was people getting loud. It was media that came in the form of tracks and books and speeches. People got loud, the abolitionist movement, Frederick Douglass, you know, Harriet Tubman, Harry Beecher Stowe and others. Um, in fact, Lincoln ends up changing his tune in, in 1862. And he says, okay, this war is about something else. And he, he, he said that God helped him see that it's not just about the union. It's about ending slavery and he saw his opportunity uh, to do that. And when he met Harriet Beecher Stowe for the first time, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin about five years before the Civil War, 10 years, uh, sh uh, he said to her, so you're the lady that wrote the book that started this war. Uh, so he started to recognize it is people. It's getting loud. It's telling the story that ends the stories. And, and I couldn't tell stories in the government. So... Uh, it was dark and lonely. And when I came out and created, we created Operation Underground Railroad, it gave me the opportunity to see so much light. I didn't expect light in the form of people who wanted to become modern day abolitionists by the thousands, then by the hundreds of thousands, then by the millions, people saying, I'm, I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to live in a world where I don't fight to end human bondage. Right. And so I never expected to see so much light um, that, that is helping fight this dark. Uh, and so my perspective, interestingly, I became more optimistic, uh, than I did before, than I was before, because I thought we could win this. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Um, you know, Tim, one thing that we always talk about, right. The, the podcast is called living a legacy. Uh, and it's about how celebrities and amazing people use their influence to impact the world around them, which is exactly which exactly what your mission is, right? Using your influence and the, and the story that God's given you to go out into the world and literally rescue uh, children. Um, so with that said, you know, as you're living your legacy, you know, when it's all said and done, how would you want to be remembered? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think... I think I'd want to be remembered as, as someone who inspired others yeah. to, to serve, to serve, to serve those in need. Um, 
you know, we, we can only do so much. We, we hope to, to pass on a legacy like you're talking about. And, and that is get up and think, think about something outside of yourself. There's so much suffering, alleviate the suffering, yeah. you know, uh, you, you mentioned you're, you're a believer in, you know, not to go too religious on your show. I don't know. That's your theme or not, but in the network, you can go religious. That's fine. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, if there's one thing Christ left, it's that that's the message he left is if there's someone in need run to that person, even if they're in a dark place, run into the dark. Are you willing to do that? And whether you're fighting trafficking or hunger or, or anything, run into the dark to help other people. If I, if, if I could be remembered for anything, it's, it'd be that message yeah is wake up every morning and say god where can i where can i alleviate some suffering and and if everybody did that can you imagine this this world would be a pretty awesome place to live in it absolutely would you know you know i'm listening to you and and what's going through my mind is you know the the term right the depression right when people describe depression um it's a cloud it's a darkness but then when you study you ask, what is darkness? And, and the reality is there is no such thing as darkness. Now, I'm not saying there's no such thing as depression. That, that's a real thing. But, but there literally is no such thing as darkness. See, darkness is the absence of light. That's right. Right? Dark, that's all darkness is, is it's the absence of light. And, you know, just like when you turn on the lights uh, in a room and there may be a, a roach in there. What does it do? It scatters. It runs right. because they're afraid of the light. And the same thing, you know, I, I we, we got to interview uh, Dean Kane, who was in Lewis and Clark. He was Superman, right? Uh, yesterday on the show. And he's actually talking about sex trafficking. And, and, and uh, you know, we went into this discussion about this and it's like, you know, our job as, as believers is we are called to be the light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, right? And and as that light turns on, they run. And and you know the, he happened to have a picture of Chris Kyle behind him, American Sniper. And you know in the movie he says, you know I'm, I'm a sheepdog, right? And a sheepdog's a protector. You know we don't go after. And it's like that's what that's that's what your calling is. That's what our calling is is to be protectors of people, whether it's whether it's with a sniper rifle or, or whether it's going in to protect someone or, or as I've been, you know, uh, called out on several times because they're like, you're going to get shot. But, I, you know, I, I'd rather be shot than, than drive down the road and just keep driving when I see some dude with a closed fist punching some lady. You know, I can't, I can't drive on, right? Nobody should, but it's not a, it's not a choice, right? It's when you go in there and you see children, that's not a choice. You, you don't have a choice but to go in and help because it's who you are. Um, and it's like, it, we need more, we need more men. We need everybody, but you know, women are more naturally inclined to, they're not, they're not going to stop and watch, but men have allowed ourselves to fall. Um, but we need more men to step up and, and to follow the lead. You know, you don't have to go rescue the world. You just need to look at the world around you and be, and, and do what you can, right? right. Just take off the goggles. Um, so I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but man, I'm so impressed with, with what you guys do and, um, what you're going to do. And, uh, want to thank you for all that you've done. If you got any final words, 
as we wrap up the podcast. I'll just end with reiterating what you said, the, the scientific principle of, you know, light and dark cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Yeah. And if there's one thing that, 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 that turns the lights on, whether you're fighting trafficking or fighting whatever, is service. Serving yeah. somebody just, just, yes. just breaks through the darkness. And that's what this world and our country and this world needs right now. We need people to think about serving others. And, uh, and if, if, if that was the mentality, man, we, we, would, we, would, we would conquer human trafficking and so many other problems. Yeah. Uh, so thank you guys for being a light and allowing us to encourage others to be a light. And, and, uh, and uh, I know that uh, someone out there is going to watch this, listen to this. And it's going to make a big impact and, and people will be saved because of it. That's my hope. So thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Well, Tim, from, from uh, us at Living a Legacy and my wife and I and, and then company, I own Provision Brokerage. I want to let you know that, that we're going to contribute $1,000 towards uh, our and just, you know, I, I truly believe in the cause. And if you believe in something, you need to give towards it, right? And, and not just money, but time and efforts and, and voice, right? Like it. Go to y'all's page and, and follow it and like it and comment and share, um, you yeah. know, our social digital currency, as it's called, uh, that a friend coined and, and just do that. So um, final question, Neil, I won't steal your thunder because I know you, you ask this every time at the end of the episode, but uh, go ahead and uh, find out where to get more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where to get more information. Where can we find information on you, Tim? So people can donate to the foundation and also help in so many yeah. ways. The them. website is O-U-R-Rescue.org. So go there, check it out. And that's also our, our handle everywhere else on social media at O-U-R Rescue. Perfect. All right, we'll see you guys there. Appreciate it, Tim. Awesome. Thanks, right. Tim. Man, this Thanks, great. guys. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. That was Living a Legacy. Take care. Celebrity Slots. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.